If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to Newborn Mothers Podcast. Today we have a very uh, special guest. I know I shouldn't have favourites, but (laughs) Julianne uh, was actually one of the first guests I had on my podcast um, back in episode six, if you want to go back and listen to that. But even that was at the beginning of her journey because she's been a uh, doula, started out as a birth doula and and now then a postpartum doula and more broadly, I think we can talk about a lot of the work that you do um, today. Uh, But you've been doing this for over 20 years and you've got seven children of your own. And it's really great to have you on um, the podcast again a few years later to get a little bit of an update of, of where things are because doing this work for such a long time, you have a huge range um, of experience and I know things have changed a lot over time. So I'm thrilled to have you back for an update, Julianne. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm so excited to be back and uh, have this conversation with you. Yeah, it's always nice to chat uh, anyway. Just, you know, a podcast is a good excuse for us to have a catch up. Did you <laughs> want to add anything to that intro? Did I miss anything? Um, I think that's that, that pretty much encompasses the work that uh, I do. I am a registered perinatal support worker. I did start out at a birth, as a birth doula and then um expanded kind of into the postpartum support role um yeah and i do some infant and pregnancy loss um facilitation as well group facilitation um yeah so we can talk about that but kind of i'm doing a lot of different things yeah let's let's start with that you do work in a lot of different ways so when people typically think of postpartum work they would picture themselves going to a family's home and maybe cooking a meal and maybe helping them with breastfeeding and ha- having a nice chat and that kind of thing. Um, but you do a lot of different things. Can you tell us a little bit? Because I think sometimes it's people can't imagine the, the breadth of work that you can do um, in, this, in this space. Yeah, for sure. That has been one of the biggest lessons in my work is to really expand how I think about my work. And I want to say it is still so important to have people who can do that home visiting, who can, you know, be there for mums and for um, childbearing folks in that way. Um, But I think I've realized over the years what's possible with this work and how how this work can look like in our communities you know it can look really different than home visiting and uh, i find that so exciting because there's just so many different ways to support families yeah and i know you've added a bunch of skills over the years so you you do some work with trauma and mental health do you want to talk a little bit about you know like the different kinds of things that you do Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so I still have clients, mainly postpartum clients who I do home visiting with because that piece um, is always so close to my heart. 
Um, and then I have now expanded into working for agencies, which has been a really pleasant surprise. Um, as much as the pandemic was really challenging and really awful um, in so many ways, that is something that came out of the pandemic are all of these opportunities that I've had to work virtually with agencies. And as you know, Julia, like I'm in a very rural area, um, but I'm now working with agencies in urban centers um, and doing virtual work like perinatal education, um, facilitating groups with marginalized communities and doing perinatal education that way. Um, you know, facilitating peer postpartum mood disorder groups and one-on-one -on -one support, um, emotional support and um, perinatal education with clients when needed. So that's been this whole new way of, you know, embodying the work that I feel called to in communities and, um, and even outside of my own community and it's been this this agency piece has been new and really really exciting mm, and i know for you in the last few years and this was starting when we last chatted on the podcast as well but having that registration has been a, a real game changer for you we don't have anything like that in australia at the moment although we are working on it um but can you tell how that's how that's changed things for you actually having like a, a more widely recognized qualification Yes, absolutely. So um, here in Ontario, Canada, there is a new program. It's only a few years old, so it's called uh, Registered Perinatal Support Worker. It is kind of considered a specialty um, for, uh, for support workers, right? For PSWs, personal support workers. Um, I came to it from the doula world and um, and because it comes with that registration, I think, and I don't think I realized that. I mean, I was just always so excited about learning and, you know, joining new programs. And when I discovered that program, I got so excited. But I don't, don't think I fully realized what that registration was going to do for me. And what it has done is it has given me a seat at more tables, right? And I know, like, even it's it's easy to kind of resist, you know, being part of the system. Um, but for me, it's actually given me a seat at more tables so I can have conversations about trauma informed care, I can, you know, kind of talk about what my clients are going through, you know, obviously, while respecting their confidentiality, but just generally sharing, you know, what I'm seeing with families and my work you know, because I'm really on the front lines, right? So, um, yeah, it's it's really open doors for me. Yeah, and I imagine you just have a much more in-depth idea when you work with clients more closely like you do. People open up in a way that they might not with another healthcare provider who they only see, you know, once for a 15-minute visit and those healthcare providers just might not have the same insights as you do into really what's going on for, for people. So I think that's really important. And, and I'll also note that you still have both. Having Being a registered healthcare um, provider, I'm not sure if that's the right word, 
but what that the doors that opens up for you is great but it doesn't mean that there's no other way of doing this work you still do have regular doulas um in canada as well so you know why not have both i think it's great Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit more about the pandemic. I'm really curious about, I know some people have really struggled and and what I've noticed is people who've just started their business have found the last few years really difficult, but people who are more established already like you, um, what's your experience of, um, you know, how how that landscape's changed? So for me, what that has meant is that it has opened more doors. I have a lot more opportunities. Most of my work is virtual. Most of my work is from home, um, except for my own clients with whom I do home visiting. I really have grown to love that. I love making my own hours, being able to work from home and, you know, kind of picking and choosing which contracts that I want to work on um i think what happened really is that the requests started coming in when everything shut down because people were like who can we reach out to how can we keep doing this work virtually so agency the agencies that i work with now weren't doing any virtual programming before the pandemic and now they're doing a lot of virtual programming um and now that things have opened up more in our area they're doing both and what they've realized is that they actually have been able to reach more mums more childbearing folks more families by having that virtual option so now a lot of these agencies are keeping both options open and they're kind of forging ahead with in-person and virtual programming so things have really shifted in that sense and I have been fortunate enough to, you know, to get some of those opportunities, but it has been a lot of networking, a lot of making myself available, reaching out and being proactive and connecting with agencies and connecting with organizations in my community um, and being there whenever there was a perinatal childbirth, you know, prenatal breastfeeding event, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of those like key terms, right, that that connect to to the work that we do and just, you know, just showing up and building those relationships. And I think if you are new and you're starting out and you're struggling to find these other types of opportunities, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of also taking that time to build those relationships in your community it's going to pay off. People will, you know, come to know you and value you. And then when there's a situation where there's a gap, you know, they may call on you to fill it, or perhaps you can show them that there's a gap and collaborate to fill that gap, right? Which is definitely what's what's happened for me. Mm. And I, don't, I hope you're comfortable talking about this, but you mentioned to me before we hit record that you're making more money now than you ever have um, <laughs> before. So can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Um, so I'm making a lot more money than I did before. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think I've made four times what I used to make in a year in the last six months. (laughs) So (laughs) it is a lot more for me. Um, I'm very excited about it. 
but I, you know, it's just, it feels like, how can I say it? it feels, it feels right, you know, to be doing this kind of work. It's such important work, the work that we do with families and to, to have agencies and organizations begin to recognize that and begin to like remunerate us, you know, for what it's worth, for what, you know, for giving us the value of what we're offering, um, I think is, it's so rewarding. It's so important. And um, yeah, so it's been a really exciting chapter as much as, again, the pandemic was awful and has been awful, you know, just to have some of these things come out of that for me, it's really changed my work and it has, you know, it has allowed me to reimagine how we can embody, you know, because for many of us, we feel like it's a calling, right? We feel called to this work. How can we reimagine it, you know, revision how we work with families in these spaces beyond the home? I'm not saying we shouldn't be in the homes, but in, in families' homes, but beyond that, like, there's so much work to be done. Um, and I've really come to see myself as kind of a bridge between families and agencies and organizations and other healthcare providers and other professionals, right? So um, that idea really excites me. And I, and I hope that it inspires some of your listeners to think about different ways that they might do this work um, in their communities. Loving this podcast? Check out our books at newbornmothers.com. Nourishing Newborn Mothers is a recipe book to nourish your mind, body and soul after childbirth. And my second book, Newborn Mothers, was a bestseller. I know, I can't believe it either. It's about baby brain, village building and how to find happiness in 21st century parenting. You can get the first chapter free of both books at newbornmothers.com books. Yeah, I think it's a really good point because I think there's kind of generally an assumption that working face-to-face in someone's home is better. Um, And I always say it's not that it's better. I think it's just different. And I think we need all of the pieces of the puzzle because there are always going to be families that live in regional or remote areas. There's always going to be families who have disabilities and, and find it hard to get to classes There's always going to be families who, for example, speak English as a second language and might need to connect with someone who doesn't live in their area because they need someone who can communicate with them. So there's a million reasons why for some people in home care might not be the better option or that going to regular classes might not be the better option. So I love that you've kind of opened up to doing all kinds of work. It's it's kind of like a mixture of what works for you and what suits you and also what works for various um, clients and what suits them. I think that's really, it is really powerful. Yeah. 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 It's um, and I think just staying like being very adaptable, you know, being willing to try new things. I remember, you know, when the pandemic first started um, and we worked on, you know, some projects together, you and I, Julia, with other, um, other doulas and just feeling so nervous, like, can this work? Can we do meaningful work online? And I'm going to say a thousand times, yes, we can do so much meaningful work virtually. Like it is, 
it is very possible it's, it's maybe a bit of a learning curve um but like you say a lot of people face barriers and you know things have opened up but i think there's a lot there are a lot of parents out there who are still nervous about bringing their infants out in public you know depending on where you live so for all those reasons that you listed and more it really does eliminate barriers for a lot of folks and i think that's um that's so important you know to be aware of the way that we do our work in our communities are we actually creating barriers for people or are we removing barriers um what are those barriers you know even having that curiosity and thinking really again it comes back to that reimagining like how are we doing this work how are we who are we in this work and who are the families in our community and you know just really exploring all of those relationships and all of that intersectionality yeah i love that mm-hmm. i remember when i started doing this work about 10 or maybe 15 years ago now and one of the first things that people used to always ask me back then was oh are you a volunteer <laughs> and i know that's something that you and i've talked about over the years i know that you're definitely not a volunteer and i'm definitely not a volunteer um, and then doesn't mean that we don't do some volunteer work, but we are well paid for our work. Do you still get asked that? Do people still make that assumption that this work couldn't possibly be paid? That's a good question. I honestly, there has been a shift. Like I, you know, when agencies are talking to me now and reaching out to me, they are asking me about my fees. You know, they're not expecting me to work for free. They're not expecting me to donate my time. Um, And that has been a very big shift in my work. And I think I'm so much more comfortable, you know, charging for my services. Um, So much more comfortable with that those conversations too so it's taken practice it's taken a lot of practice to get there but um yeah nobody's asking me to volunteer really anymore yeah yeah um i i think it has changed hasn't it the that expectation i think that's partly to do with me too and partly to do with the pandemic bringing up the value of women's work and community care and and that we just have i think a bit more of an understanding of the value of of what we do as a society. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I still like, I still donate my time um, when I can to do, you know, um, infant and pregnancy loss support groups, that type of work. But in general now, most of my conversations involve paid work and I don't have to apologize for that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't have to apologize for my fees. It's like, you know okay what's your fee and that's great and in fact i've even had people say you know raise it raise your fee so Mm. um it's yeah that's been really rewarding i think people are realizing more and more like you say the value of support work and and i think also identifying the gaps that exist and in the pandemic a lot of agencies were trying to fill gaps and so i think that that has helped first of all to open people's eyes to what the gaps are and then 
get creative in terms of filling those gaps. So exploring partnerships with, you know, perinatal support workers or, you know, anybody who is a professional in this space, right? So. Mm. So what's next for you? I know you're studying again. Do you think your work will change a lot in the future? Yeah, what, what do you think is coming up for you? Um, that's a great question. So uh, this past year, I actually went into social work. Um, I am doing a social work degree on top of my registered perinatal support work because I'm hoping to be able to actually open up a private practice and do some counseling, uh, perinatal mental health support for families specifically in that space. Um, But if there's anything that this work has taught me and that life has taught me is that you never know what it's ultimately going to look like. I could never have imagined that I would, you know, be embodying this calling that I feel so strongly in the ways that I am and be working in the ways that I am today. But that that's ultimately the goal. I really, my heart is really with, um, you know, postpartum mood disorder, mental health issues. And um, I would love to at least add that to my professional practice. Yeah, so that's, that's the goal. Otherwise, I'm really hoping to continue to have opportunities to work with agencies and, um, you know, experience this huge honor of just like being able to contribute to these families journeys of having their babies, right? It's such a, it's such a huge honor. And I can honestly say that I've had so much joy doing this work. It just has brought me so much joy to be able to you know, reach more families and explore these different ways of working in, you know, prenatal birth and postpartum spaces, right? Mm, I love it. So inspiring. Um, I think that's all my questions for you. If people want to learn more about what you do, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at positivebirthservices.ca uh, and um, my contact information is there um i do have a facebook page that is let's call it a sleepy facebook page (laughs) i'm not i'm so busy with clients that i'm not really um doing a lot on social media but i am there and you can find me and you can reach me and i'm um very responsive to messages i have started working more in you know helping to train perinatal support workers. So I'm on the faculty um, at Mohawk College here in Ontario, Canada, to help train other professionals. And I have done some training for professionals in the infant and pregnancy law space and, um, and even within agencies. So I'm always up for a conversation with other people who are in this space doing the work and you know who have questions and who are growing and learning um we need we need that connection professionally too right and we need we can learn so much from each other i always tell clients that we learn so much from each other and it's so true professionally speaking as well so um yeah so feel free to reach out yeah i love it two things really stand out to me from that 
One is just to get started for people who are listening. You don't have to know exactly where you're going to end up. You don't have to have all of your qualifications before you have your first client, you know, but just just have a go and, and learn along the way, you know, because you really just don't know where this is going to take you. The other thing that really stands out from your story is the fact that you don't even really have much of an online presence and I think a lot of people overestimate that. For example, I've only just started to get onto Instagram and I don't even do it. I have a, a team who does that for me. And But people often really stress out when they start their own business. They're like, oh, but I don't want to, you know, the hassle of building a website and I don't know how Instagram works. And you don't need to. That You know, if you want to work in real life with real people, then you're much better off just going and connecting with real people step away from the desk and go and talk to people so yeah yeah I love that you're so so successful and you don't even really have you know you don't spend time on Instagram it's not what you do yeah build those relationships and also to your point I'm so glad that you know almost 24 years ago younger Julianne decided to just go for it and do her first, you know, birth support client. And, you know, I could never have imagined where that would take me today. So yeah, it's, it's so important to just get started and build those relationships in your community. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing, Julianne. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me, Julia. Likewise. Yeah, great. And we'll pop all your details in the show notes so people can um, can come and connect with you if they, if they feel like it. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.